Blog Talk Radio. Take a licking. <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call for Super Chicken. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Please visit our website at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Once again, I would like to welcome you to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at KalmbachFeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H Feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a... When you need an incubator, think Brensi, the incubation specialist. Brensi has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brensea.com. Brensea spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brensea.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brency, technology you can trust. Introducing the BrightTap Chick Feeder, the cleaner feeder that grows with your flock. The BrightTap Feeder is designed with a unique shield that prevents chicks from standing on the feed tray and pooping into their food. The shield keeps the feed clean, so you spend less time cleaning the feeder. And when your chicks grow up and leave the brooder, you can use the BrightTap feeder outdoors to give your adult chickens scratch, grit, and oyster shells. 
The unique shield also prevents rain from getting into the feed tray and spoiling the food. The bright tap feeder fills easily through a lid in the top. No more spills or wasted feed. To learn more, visit our website, chickenwaterer.com. That's chickenwaterer.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Actually, in reality, I am Super Chicken. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky... You'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Today marks the 1,008th episode, 1,008 episodes. Uh, when I see that number, uh, it's still shocking to me, even though uh, I've been <laughs> I've been in every single one of them. But, I mean, if, if you combine all the episodes of MASH, Friends, uh, and Seinfeld, combine them all. And we've done more episodes than all three of those TV shows combined. It's mind-boggling to me. But that's a lot of accurate chicken information that's available for you because all the shows are archived for your listening pleasure. iTunes.com, Podcast.com, Zoom.com. There's another one called Stretcher, 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 something like that. (laughs) That's a new one that's real popular that carries uh, this radio show. And, of course, right here on Blog Talk Radio. Dot com. That, that is a lot of chicken information at your fingertips uh, that is uh, out there. But thank you very much for tuning in today. We've got a great week lined up for you today. Uh, no show yesterday. We were on the road going from one location to the other. But today is Tuesday. Special episode of Ask the Chicken Doctor with Peter Brown. It is open mic, we call it. So we'll be taking questions from you, our listeners, and uh, uh, questions that we got were from email, uh, Facebook, and, of course, Twitter. Tomorrow, Peter will also be here uh, at 12 o'clock noon. We'll be talking about uh, egg binding, egg-bound hens. And then this Thursday, we'll welcome poultry scientist and professor, Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D. We're going to be talking about, I looked at the schedule this morning to confirm this, rodent control in the coop, which is a big deal. kind of aggravates me sometimes when I see people on these blogs and forums post and laugh and giggle about how fun it is to watch their hens gobble down um, uh, mice 
Uh, they just don't understand. They haven't educated themselves yet on the issues with that, being that if you see one mice, you have many mouse. Uh, if you see one mouse, you have many mice around your coop. In most all cases, they breed very quickly. Nothing can, can, can come good of having mice in and around your coop, and you want to nip that in the bud before you have an infestation. They carry a lot of diseases. In fact, there was a, a statement released uh, yesterday by USDA APHIS regarding the AI outbreak uh, that they are looking at uh, and trying to pinpoint the way this is being spread, and rodents was on the list. Um, so, and wild birds, of course, uh, making their way and accessing into these coops, not to mention uh, other ways, um, uh, transmission by employees uh, and whatnot. Let's see if I can get there. You go, babe. And so, um, uh, that's that's we'll t be talking about this uh, this Thursday. So, um, great shows lined up for you uh, this week. So anyway, we're doing pretty good. We're uh, at another location for about another week here, a place we really like to come and hang out in the northeast Georgia mountains. It's a little bit cooler, lots of amenities, things like that. But uh, we're still working hard on spreading the chicken low from uh, coast to coast. Also, um, we'll be heading out towards Lake Hartwell, uh, South Carolina, here in, in about a week. I've got a presentation for a 4-H group there near Clemson University. Uh, I believe that's going to be on the 27th of June. So I'm definitely looking forward to that, uh, educating the kiddos. and uh, they're, they're, they're in their prime of you know doing the 4-H shows and whatnot. So I'll be speaking there on the 27th. I know they're talking about opening it up to other 4-H and FFA groups in the area. So uh, I'll be doing that as well. And uh, let me see what else we got going on. We're, we're kind of in the planning aspects of our fall tour. We had an absolutely awesome fall tour with Combot Feeds or, or spring tour with Combot Feeds. But we're definitely looking forward to the, uh, the uh, fall tour, which looks like it's going to be uh, Alabama, Tennessee, North and South Carolina. Uh, we may even uh, start possibly uh, in, in a couple of dealers down in Florida. But more than likely, it will be Alabama, Tennessee, North and South Carolina. We may have something uh, in Georgia. And that'll be this fall. Definitely looking forward to that. Want to share some information with you on a, on a personal note. Um, got here yesterday. Uh, Jen had a little bit of infection going on, so her doctor uh, provided a uh, uh, antibiotic for her. And the weird thing was, we found out this morning, due to phone calls, the same antibiotic she was uh, given uh, about a month ago before we left on book tour for this infection that hasn't quite gone away. And uh, she took it yesterday and had just a horrible reaction to it. Her uh, lips swelled up, eyes kind of swelled, uh, rash, itchy all over. No difficulty breathing, though. Uh, but it just, she just reacted horribly to it. We uh, started pop the fever, uh, feeling like death warmed over, like she got hit by a Mack truck, da 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 We're in a very rural area. Otherwise, we would have taken her over to a dock in the box or an urgent care center. There are none of those around here. So our only option was take her over to the local ER. As a former paramedic, you know, it's kind of one of our pet peeves if you're in the medical field of people using the ER for non-life-threatening issues. Um, but it was our only option. Took her over there. They were fabulous, familiar with this hospital. Um, uh, many years uh, with my parents living in the area. Got her in and out in a, a two-hour window. Definitely identified it was allergic reaction to the sulfur-based medication. But what's weird, she's had this. She's never had allergic reaction to anything all her life uh, until yesterday. And uh, probably not immediately, but within an hour of her taking it, she started having symptoms, and they just progressively got worse. Glad she went. Doctor said it was the right call. They got her a steroid shot. 
got her a prescription for some steroids, continued doing the Benadryl, which as the former paramedic threw, threw that at her uh, immediately last night, 50 milligrams uh, orally, and um, that, that really didn't even do the trick, nothing. So um, anyway, so we're continuing with that. She is back at home, got home about uh, 2 a.m. yesterday. Had a wonderful friend here at the campground we've known for about three years, take her over there so I could stay. Lily was already asleep when she went. I got Caleb into bed. But uh, thanks for all the prayers and concerns on over on my personal page on Facebook and all the comments. But uh, that was, um, uh, she's doing better, feeling much better than she was last night. But I've got to go and fill those uh, prescriptions here a little bit after the show. Today we've got Peter Brown. It's Ask the Chicken Doctor with Peter Brown. We've uh, asked for questions on Facebook and on Twitter. And we do get emails as well for questions when we do these shows. So I've got a couple of those as well. So let me get over here to the phone lines. Let's give Peter Brown a big chicken whisperer. Welcome, as always. Hey, Peter. Thanks for joining us today. Sure, Andy. What's going on today? Ah, just kind of hanging out, uh, spreading the chicken love like we always do. People really like the uh, uh, open mics because they get their questions answered. And like I tell folks a lot of times, don't rely on Google for the health of your uh, your chickens when you can get uh, good, accurate, and correct information here on the broadcast and, of course, in Chicken Whisper Magazine and whatnot. And based on that, I'm going to share with you something. You know, w- you know I don't often use this uh, medium to, to vent. Every now and then, yes, we do. But I want to go over here to something. And um, one of the, my, my biggest pet peeves, and I guess you can people can understand out there, our listeners and fans, understand why this is so um, irritating. <laughs> for me, spending almost a decade uh, full-time and spreading the chicken love from coast to coast, doing our best to give good, right, uh, and accurate uh, information. And, uh, you know, of all aspects, the magazine, the podcast, the book, uh, the, 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 the webpage, the whole nine yards. And then you see things like this and you just think, really? Is this really happening? Did they really post this? I, I just honestly don't get it. Um, but here's a perfect example of, of a lot of times what we deal with on the show and spreading the chicken love. Here's the, here's the quote. Tonight is the girls' first night in their new coop and run. So what are some essentials other than feed and water that I need to give them for their new home? Uh, maybe pine shavings in the nest boxes, oyster shells in the run. I'm just not sure what I actually need. Really? You, 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 <laughs> you made the conscious decision to get chickens and actually you now obviously bought a coop or built a coop and a run, but and you've got your chickens now in your backyard and you're, you're I mean, something as, 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 uh, as um, initially getting started as this with the books that are out there, with the websites that are out there, with the, the podcast, the, the, there's no shortage of information out there. Yes, there's some bad information. But I just don't understand how people are, you know, when they go out and, oh, look, chickens, let's get them and take them home, knowing nothing about it. No, no, and these are live animals that depend on your care, proper care, whether they become sick, whether they become injured, whether it's basically essentials of life, whatever the case may be. And, and these posts that we see here day in and day out are just mind-boggling of, hey, i got chickens in my backyard. What do I do now? And I'm thinking, you know, probably would have been a pretty good idea to do a little research before you now have live animals in your backyard that depend on you for their care. So uh, it's just <laughs> something that we deal with day in and day out, just like me and Peter were talking, I think, one of the last week's episodes about the uh, enormous amount of posts about predator attacks. And um, I, I just I just don't get it. Someone had posted about 
these red flashing lights uh, that are supposed to deter deter predators. And she, it was a very simple question. Hey, what do you think about these red flashing lights that deter predators around the chicken coop? And my first post, and I was the first one that posted on her uh, comment, was that, you know, in, in my personal opinion, uh, after doing this full-time for a decade and having chickens for, you know, is that if you built your coop like and, 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 and spent the money to build your coop and run like you should... Um, like uh, you can see out there on how to do it. There's plenty of information out there. You shouldn't need little red flashing lights to keep predators away. There shouldn't be really a predator issue. Yes, there's always the rare current something, you know, sneak here, sneak there. Oh, I didn't see this gap or whatever. But, I mean, the, the amount of predator attacks we see posted on Facebook is just absolutely mind-boggling as well. shouldn't be happening if you, number one, took the time to research, took the time and the money to actually build it like you should have the first time. You shouldn't need to buy $100 in flashing red lights to keep the predators away. Number two, um, people talk about, you know, look at how many sponsors I have versus some of the, the other folks that have just pages and pages of sponsors. Why? They, they'll sponsor, anybody will sponsor. They'll, they'll take money from anybody. Okay. Uh, just this last month, I've turned down three sponsors because they couldn't sell me on their product. Um, I, you should not have to sprinkle animal pee around your coop to keep predators away. You shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't have to spend money on pee from other animals to sprinkle around your coop. You just should not, you know, but uh, so, so that, you know, I tried to tell these folks, you know, sell me on your product. If these folks will build their coop like they should and spend the money to do it like they should, they shouldn't have to worry about predators to begin with. So they shouldn't have to at least sprinkle pee around their coop to keep predators away. Uh, then when I asked, what does this do to keep hawks and owls away? Of course, I never heard from them again. So uh, obviously it doesn't do anything uh, to keep the, the birds of prey uh, away, uh, spreading pee around your coop. I don't have time to put, you know, go out every day or every week and sprinkle pee around my coop. Um, that's why you build it right the first time and you should be golden for many years to come. So that's today's rant. Just very frustrating, especially doing everything that we've done in the last decade, Peter, on the show and everywhere else, the magazine, the book, the, the tour, the workshops, uh, to see some of these things. And I'd, sometimes it's just mind-boggling. And I don't understand it, but I wanted to share that post about, hey, you got chickens in your backyard, and you're like, okay, what do I do? Um, you know, I guess, I guess I just don't get it. Let's start with our first question. Uh, we don't get this question a lot, Peter, but it's something that uh, does happen. I've had uh, maybe two or three uh, birds that I've received over the last uh, over a decade that have had scissor beak or, or cross beak, um, and. Um, the, the first email that I received today when they heard you were coming on was, what, what are some things I can do for this bird? I know I probably, they, they say they know they probably shouldn't breed to this bird uh, to prevent the genetic continuing of this, this issue. Uh, they don't have any intentions to do that anyway, but they do want to give the bird the best life it can regarding being able to still eat, um, scratch around, get bugs, things like that. Uh, we hear things about, you know, if it grows too long, if it gets too curved, filing it down, drimmeral tool, an emery board, you know, what we can do to try to, and maybe having a separate feeder where they can try to scoop the food versus specifically picking up individual pieces of food. So uh, what's uh, your advice for someone who's got the bird uh, that's got the scissor beak cross beak? Yeah, um, most of the time uh, that's either generally one of a couple of things that, that cause it. Um, it's either a genetic problem within the uh, breeding stock itself uh, and may not show it in every, you know, every bird that comes out. Um, uh, genetics is uh, pretty much a crapshoot anyway, and 
you might have a one in four chance of something happening and uh, hatch four eggs and nothing happens but hatch the next four and uh, they all have the, the anomaly. So uh, generally it's it's one of those things um, which can be gen, uh, genetic uh, related uh, to the to the breeding stock itself. Another can be um, an anomaly happening during the incubation process, an egg that got too hot, uh, more than likely, uh, and changed um, some of the, the DNA structure um, in what we call the mitochondrial DNA. This is uh, uh, DNA that doesn't uh, affect the, um, uh, you know, the head shape or anything else uh, of a bird or its, its overall conformation, but will change small uh, little things. It happens in humans as, as well. Um, and we know from our, uh, our talks on circadian incubation, we know that we can uh, lower and raise temperatures uh, during a specific period of time uh, during incubation and have a dramatic impact uh, on the uh, bird's ability to handle hot and cold. So that's generally where it comes from. Uh, there may be other uh, other things involved, but um, and there's really no way of knowing if you've had a normal hatch and, and there's just one came out. One has to lean more towards this being uh, a genetic anomaly that came from the from the breeding stock. Uh, but um, <clears throat> right at the moment, uh, for the average individual, there isn't uh, much of a uh, a way of of doing so. Uh, and finding out definitively the, the rule of thumb is uh, you probably wouldn't make that mating again. Uh, but most people want to save these birds. Uh, you know, uh, a true uh, bird breeder, uh, when I say a true bird breeder, one that's uh, been around in the fancy for a long time, uh, breeding champion after champion after champion, uh, wouldn't consider even keeping a bird like this. Uh, as soon as the hatch is pulled and the bird has a, uh, an anomaly like this, they would probably uh, uh, euthanize that bird. Uh, and each to his own. Everybody's got their own idea of how things go, and I'm, I'm okay and on board with that. And uh, so that, that's the rhyme and reason where it is, uh, who does what, and that kind of thing. Uh, so what can you do for it? <clears throat> sometimes, not always, but sometimes in the very beginning, if you can uh, massage that muscle, uh, on that side of the of the bird's neck, uh, you can not straighten it 100%, but you can make it less severe than what it is. Um, I've known just a few people to actually uh, try that and, and seems to uh, have gotten some results from it. Uh, the other is uh, to continually uh, uh, trim the beak and train the beak to grow straight. Uh, and one of the ways of doing that is to, and you, you, the, the earlier you start, the better off you are. Um, some people don't like to do this, so then you have to deal with it later on. Uh, as the beak uh, grows, uh, it becomes more and more vascular, and then cutting off <clears throat> reasonable portions of it become more and more difficult. But one of the ways to do it is to uh, gently file it down. You can use an, uh, an emery board. You can use a, uh, a Dremel tool. It doesn't have to be turning 10,000 RPMs, just, to, just enough to skim off a little bit at a time. And then cauterize it. Uh, you can use a, uh, one of these wood-burning tools, work really well for this, and uh, uh, there really isn't any uh, uh, pain for, for the bird. Um, and you just run that over the area that you've trimmed off in an attempt to keep it from uh, growing back. Um, you don't want to sit still in one particular spot. You want to uh, run that tool back and forth across the area that you've trimmed 
so that um, it just turns a a tannish light black color um, and what the object there is to cauterize it and keep the cells from continuing to grow. It may take a while for it to happen. Sometimes uh, uh, you have to put more heat on it uh, than I've described, and it's something that you have to deal with <clears throat> while you're there um, with the particular situation that you have. But continuing to do that and continuing to train that beak now to grow forward uh, rather than sideways uh, can make a big difference. Um, Sometimes the, the, the beak is so far gone that uh, trimming it is not going to make much of a difference. Then it becomes a quality of life thing, and that's up to the individual person um, to decide uh, how they want to proceed uh, you know, uh, with this. Um, technically, other than for breathing purposes, uh, they don't necessarily um, have to worry too much about the, uh, the, the, the top beak. Um, I have had uh, birds with a uh, live uh, a reasonable period of time, several years, uh, they completely had the upper and lower mandible totally ripped out, nothing there. And uh, the birds went on. And as a matter of fact, just about a year ago, the last one uh, it had uh, undergone a fox attack, <clears throat> and uh, the bird died of natural causes all on its own. Um, they, they didn't have to tube feed it, to hand feed it or anything. Uh, they fed it softer foods. Uh, in a deeper dish, and that's something else that you can do with birds that have uh, uh, either mild or severe uh, cross beak because the bottom beak basically is where they're going to pick up the feed with the tongue anyway. Um, may become a little bit of an issue uh, drinking water, but still shouldn't be a big deal because they don't suck up water. They they take water in and mm -hmm. you put their head back. So there's a whole lot of things a person can do, and, and you're right, um, it's not a... Um, uh, a huge thing, uh, Andy. You said you, you know, may have seen a couple on your own over over all the years that you've had birds. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's more more common in a in a uh, commercial hatchery setting only because of the numbers of the sheer numbers of birds uh, that they hatch, <clears throat> and uh, they're they're more likely to see a lot of the different anomalies that you might see, you know, an extra leg, an extra wing, uh, that kind of thing. Um, uh, but uh, most of those are, um, you know, genetic things. And if you hatch enough uh, chickens, you're eventually going to see, uh, you know, many different types of, an, of anomalies. Uh, and, again, those who uh, are raising them for the show circuit uh, and are, when I say serious, that doesn't mean everybody's not serious, but everybody has their own uh, way of looking at it. But, uh, you know, they're going to uh, discard it right off the bat. Not even they don't have the time for it. They don't. It's not part of their breeding program. Then they're, they're going to, uh, uh, you know, not waste any time uh, dispatching that particular bird. So it's just a matter of, of of what an individual wants to do. But other than that, there isn't anything else I know of that's going to take it away, make it all that much better. Um, mm -hmm. But re retraining that beak when you can and starting early is the key. If you wait, um, you know, to later on, it becomes more and more difficult. Um, you know, that's why okay. when they did, you know, de-beak birds, which they rarely do now in, uh, in this country, to my knowledge, um, you know, most of them you try to get them as early as you can, um, and and get that uh, uh, that out of, you know out of the way and, and keep it from from continuing to grow. And the trauma is less and all that kind of stuff. So um, that's the approach I would take to it. it. It'll work well if you get right on it and get it done, but. Uh, uh, you know they can live without it. Uh, it, it. It is kind of an interesting thing.
Okay, great. No, great information. I know that well, we, we sometimes visit this. We'll get questions on, on occasion, and I know we hadn't touched on it in a while, so I wanted to share that from email. Here's one on our Facebook page from uh, Philip, and we've had entire shows on this topic, so, Peter, we won't go into uh, amazing detail, uh, maybe just maybe the top three things, but Philip wants to know this question, does heat affect egg production? He specifically has buff orpingtons, and uh, maybe a few things that um, uh, he can do to help maintain some egg production through the hot summer months. Yeah, we've been over this one a, a number of times. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a good subject, uh, and I, I won't go into it in, in depth. Uh, um, they can go. Yeah, to, he can. Uh, he can go back, and if you, I'm sure, if you uh, uh, Google search uh, the, the chicken doctor, chicken whisper, chicken doctor, and um, and and then uh, dealing with heat, that we we've had entire you know, hour and a half episodes on everything encompassing the whole nine yards from keeping the water, everything that we can do for the summer for summer months. But this specific way we can talk about egg production versus over maybe, I mean, I'm sure they go hand in hand a lot of things, but maybe with the egg production side of it for this to answer. Yeah, the, the, uh, the big deal for, for, for them uh, as far as egg production is concerned is um, the, the heat obviously, uh, you know, is a tremendous stress. Um, so there's a couple of, of things that, that go uh, on. Uh, like humans, uh, and you know, we have a tendency to eat less for the most part uh, during a heat spell. Um, we, you know, may eat more later in the day, but certainly d- during the uh, during the day, we're going to uh, eat less. Birds are the same way; they will consume less uh, food. Uh, food uh, produces heat as it's metabolized, um, and so at that point, uh, the the heat being a stress, it's going to make them produce a corticosteroid. Uh, which is going to start to interfere with egg production. Um, if the heat is over a long period of time, uh, which in a lot of areas of the country it starts earlier than, than it may here, um, and the temperatures you know really get uh, crazy, the birds are going to sit down. They're they're, they're going to you know drink more water. Uh, they're going to uh, eat less uh, food. They're going to produce this corticosteroid. They are going to eventually. Uh, perceive this as a threat to their survival, and then that will cause them to stop uh, laying eggs. And they will produce uh, a, a hormone called inhibin, uh, which they actually start producing uh, the first time that they lay eggs, but it's in such small quantities it doesn't uh, really make much of a difference. And over time, they keep producing more and more and more till they naturally stop laying when it's time to molt or whatever, or you know, the seasons change and the lights change and all that kind of stuff. And those are the triggers that will trigger these things. But the corticosteroid is going to be the big thing. So keeping the stress level down, keeping the birds as cool as possible, um, making sure that they have uh, plenty of food. Uh, I would certainly try to feed them uh, early in the morning, real early. And then as the sun comes up, uh, maybe uh, um, as the temperature really starts to rise, I'd pull the feed away from them and then come back in and feed them. Uh, after three o'clock in the afternoon, three o'clock in the afternoon, usually in most places in the country is when your hottest time of the day is. And so I might wait till maybe five o'clock or maybe even six, and then you know let them have their food back and uh, let them have all they want right up until they go to roost. And that way you can maintain the egg production. Generally speaking, uh, from a standpoint of you know the tremendous water consumption, you start to see the quality of the egg. Uh, be affected by the uh, consumption of uh, 
of uh, excess water. Uh, so you end up with uh, the uh, the albumin or the white part of the egg being more watery. Um, it, technically, from a hatching standpoint, it won't make a whole lot of difference, but from a shipping standpoint, it will because it is not as thick and it allows the uh, the uh, ovum being the yolk to bounce around in the eggshell a little bit more. But those are some of the things he can do. Um, you know, he can go to uh, my Facebook page uh, on the First State Vet Supply um, and look at last year's posting on there. There's a whole list of things you can do to keep your birds uh, cool uh, in the summertime. And uh, we've also done shows on it here. But th- those are things mm-hmm. I would do right off the bat, keep them cool. Um, use uh, anything you can as a shade cloth type of a situation to uh, – uh, even if it's makeshift, burlap, doesn't really matter. A bunch of feed bags, you know, put together to whatever you got. I saw somebody yesterday on Facebook, you know, lost three birds to the heat. Shouldn't happen. Should not happen, just like predators shouldn't happen unless it's such a strange anomaly. But, you know, mm-hmm. we, all know that we all know the heat's coming, so I don't get it. I really don't. And, uh, you mm-hmm. know, there's enough information out here, my Lord, for uh, mm-hmm. uh, for people. For people to 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 get, I espouse it all the time. Every time I talk to people, you know, you take care of them in this heat. And uh, but you know, I um, I going back to your opening statement about you know don't get it from Google, this, that, or the other thing, or some other website, and, and uh, you know, unless they happen to be credible. But the, I have a, a situation going on now where somebody got their information uh, from the internet in a uh, case of scaly leg mite. And, um, Andy, I'm going to uh, send you those pictures just so you can see. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. This, per- this person uh, you know, went on some forum somewhere. I don't know the forum, don't really care, um, and um, was told to use WD-40. <laughs> and I will show you the results of the WD-40. It's disgusting. Um, you know, the person actually gave this bird up to a... Um, Customer, uh, a customer of mine who, uh, I guess their friend somewhere along, right along the line, I don't know the whole story of that part, don't care, <clears throat> but came to, to me to, you know, say, you know, now what do I do? You know, and uh, I'm, I'm talking about really, really severe, um, you know, scaly leg mite. And there you go again. You know, all I had to do was, you know, uh, get a hold of me, get a hold of you, go to the website. Uh, I don't, I don't get it. I really don't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just damaging to the bird. I mean, it's just painful, painful. This was yeah, not good. The bird was actually picking the, you know, you know how it, it, when it's really bad, it gets that big, giant, white, scabby-looking mouth oh. on it. And Absolutely. The bird, it, yeah, the bird was actually picking it off. It, it could no longer stand it. And uh, just Jeez. absolutely disgusting. And, you know, oh, no absolutely. And, you know, uh, if you're, if you're going to have chickens, uh, you know, Find out all you need to know and all the things you need to have before you get the first chicken. Don't get the chickens and then ask. It's kind of mm-hmm. you know, closing the you know the, the door after the horse is out of the barn. But um, you know I don't like to belabor the point either. But I will tell you, from what I have seen, people you know on Facebook posting is, oh look at my new coop. <laughs> Boy, I'm glad I'm not a chicken or any other animal they own for that matter. And <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm just being fair and honest about it. It is what it is, and it is what I see. And you know, I'm not saying you have to build a Taj Mahal, but you know, you have to build something that is predator-proof. You know, and and uh, that's, yeah, that's always seems to be number one. And then number two, uh, I stress to folks, I, I, I wish you could figure out how many people really think about this next one that I that I recommend. 
that even goes through their mind when they're looking at Coop because they're looking at cute and cool or matches their house or the color or whatever. Yeah. But how many people really at rule number two look and see how easy it is going to be to clean? If it is not easy to clean, if you can't access, you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it as often as you should or as well as you should if you have to get in all fours, climb in there. If it's not easy to clean, uh, your, your spot cleaning as well as your, your, your uh, twice a year scrubbing down that spot, scrubbing down the uh, roof, scrubbing down the walls, scrubbing you know, disinfecting. If it's not easy for you to do that, then we're human. We are not going to do it if it's not easily accessible. So I wonder how many people really think when they're looking at a coop nowadays, oh, how easy is this going to be to clean, not just spot cleaning, but twice a year when I have to really get in there and, and disinfect this. So that's always for me, number one, when we talk about coops, predator proof. Number two, look at it. How easy is this going to be to clean, whether you're buying it or building it? Look at it and see, hey, can I clean this effectively and easily? Yeah, I don't think they really think about it. There, there was a guy, um, and I thought he was going to be a sponsor of yours, and I don't even know if they're still in business, but um, um, they were building those Hobbit-type uh, chicken coops mm-hmm, out of mm-hmm. Spain, I believe. And um, I actually saw them at, at the Springfield show a couple of years ago. Uh, met both the, the, the fellow and his, and his wife, and uh, really you know, does some fantastic work. And he had one there that... Um, uh, had some sort of almost automatic type clean-out thing that he had, had uh, done. I can't remember whether it was a crank thing where you cranked it and the bedding, you know, came out and, and dumped out and fresh piece of thing came up. But it was pretty pretty decent. And that's, you know, that's thinking outside the box. And I don't think uh, a lot of people do that, you know, when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, looking at a coop and that kind of thing. I think the majority of people um, are going to look at the cost. And... Um, uh, you know, and, and look, it's easy enough to let costs get out of control. I mean, I've done that here. You know, trust me. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. I like things the way I like them, and I don't like things out of out of line, and I don't like things cattywampus, and I don't like things that uh, will do for today will, will, but will break tomorrow. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not built like that. I just don't like it. And uh, so I spend a lot of time and uh, thinking about it. You know, ours is not set up in depends, so it's a little bit different. So it's a, it's a, you know, for the amount of chickens we have left, it's, it's a, it's a huge building. They really don't need that big a building, but uh, that's the way it is right at the moment. But yeah, you got to think outside the box. I thought about that when I put the grazing frames around the fence. I wanted them to do two things. We don't really have a daytime predation thing here, but I don't want to uh, take that chance. So when I put them, uh, attached them to the fence, there's really no way that anything is going to uh, get under there unless they dig straight down and three foot in. And, um, you know, somebody's out out there on and off all throughout the day anyway and, and you know, more than likely not going to happen. But um, still took that, that precaution. You know, and then where, they, where the gate <clears throat> to get in it, it opens, uh, the concrete goes down uh, over two feet. So, you know, anything digging in has got to go down two foot and come back up. It's going to be a tough gig. But uh, you know you got to think about those things, and you know, and if, and if you do it and it isn't working, then you got to go deeper yet. But people just don't do that, and I see it all the time. So. Yeah, apparently, I'm, no, it's Wooden Wonders, and I'm over at their Facebook page uh, now. We've given one of their coops away, and they are um, uh, they apparently are still in business, both doing playhouses um, and coops with that style, that Hobbit house style uh, design. Uh, and it looks like now they're they're making large 
um, little cabins for, for a place for humans to stay, but in that same type of uh, design. So they are apparently still uh, uh, still in business and doing what they do. It's, it's a, let's face it, it's a high-dollar coop. But when you look at, like you said, the construction, the design, what it takes to to make a, a curved roof coop like that, and, and, and substantial as they are, it, it right. makes I think sense. It'll last so, you forever. Uh, you know, it was mm-hmm. they were that well built. I was very impressed because I see a lot of stuff at the shows uh, when I have the opportunity to get away from my table, and and they were just they were real close to me, and mm-hmm. at that show, and I was able to look at it, and I was, you know, there's another one that's there that has a smaller. Uh, homemade contraption that, that that they sell, and I've been asked numerous times to, uh, you know, to put it on my website, and I've refused to, you know, to do that. I just don't see it as being something that I want to put my name to, you know. Not that not that they're going to be a sponsor of mine in any way, shape, or form, but just if if I'm not happy with it, if I wouldn't use it myself, if I had you know the use for something, then I wouldn't sell it. I don't care how good it is perceived by the general public. If I don't think it's good, it's not going to be in my store, period. Mm-hmm. That's just the way I look at it. Yep, amen to that. Uh, David has a question that he posted on our Facebook page, and uh, he says, I've got a rooster, and I think his crower is hung up. He is always crowing morning, noon, and night. The hens seem to love it, uh, but um, it really uh, annoys me. So, um we we hear this question quite a bit. People who want to keep roosters, they like the idea of keeping roosters. They love the color of the roosters, the feather patterns. It's beautiful, beautiful birds. Some people, you know, they, they want to have them for the, the issue of being more predator savvy to, to maintain the flock, things like that. But, um, yes, they, they do crow. Many places you're not allowed to have roosters. Some people say, oh, I'd love the, to wake up to a rooster versus my alarm clock. I get it. I would agree. But yet, at the same time, I don't want to wake up at 430 if I don't have to, just like my neighbors don't want to have to. So so it is a touchy subject for, for a lot of people. Um, and he's just uh, wondering, you know, roosters are roosters. They do what they do, take it or leave it, <laughs> whether it be coming and chasing you and flogging you. That's That's their instinct to protect their ladies. Uh, they see you as a threat, even, you know, so we've gone down that road. Uh, I know that there is a product out. I've never touched it. I've never seen it. I've never heard it, actually, uh, uh, re- reviews on it. Uh, some people think it's cruel and unusual punishment. It's the rooster has made the crow. God made it to crow, and you putting something and strapping it around their neck to make them not crow is just not right. So everybody has their opinion on it. It gets a touchy subject, just like when people say, I'll take this to a vet and have him decrowed, mm-hmm. try to find a vet to do that. Very hu- inhumane, a lot of people, a lot of vets say, I will not do this. It is inhumane that they're, you know, uh, there's this the no crow collar which which is out there that you just strap around the the, the rooster's neck some mm-hmm. to keep it from actually fully extending. Some people say it makes for a quieter crow, but they're still going to crow. It's it's a really loaded topic. Um, I don't know if you have experience with with that newer product that that's on the market or what your views are, are right. on that. But uh, a rooster is a rooster is a rooster. It'll always be a rooster. They're they're going to crow. Um, and that, that all these things that come along with the rooster, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I'll kind of throw that into your your uh, field there, uh, Peter, regarding David and his rooster seem to be crowing all day long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I got involved last year with a uh, client uh, who had an issue with the um, city where he lived. And um, 
uh, I don't remember how many roosters he had, whether it was one or two. It really doesn't matter. But um, they're not allowed to have roosters. And uh, somebody turned them in, as, as it generally goes. And uh, then when the uh, city inspector came out, uh, he didn't know a rooster from a hen. And it had to be pointed out to him that this one was a rooster. And then the um, so he told him he had to get rid of him. So then he said, well, he was going to put a rooster collar on him. So he put a rooster collar on him, um, and uh, the guy came back out, and um, he more or less said it was kind of, I guess, okay. But then they turned the Humane Society on him. They actually turned him into them. And then they had the, them up their uh, backside. Um, you know, it's cruel mm-hmm. and inhumane and this and everything else. And then, you know, he called me and said, you know, what do you think? And so I schooled him in how a bird breathes, where the air comes from, where the voice box is called the shrinks. And I sent him my personal photos of the shrinks and where it's located in the bird's body and everything else. And then I wrote a letter of opinion, as he did uh, from other people, veterinarians and so on. It's on his website. And if this uh, fellow, would you say his name was David? Uh, correct. Okay. If he would just go to uh, www.lift, L-I-F-T, rooster, R-O-O-S-T-E-R, com, he'll be able to see a, a, a bird in action with the uh, rooster collar on, and he will get an idea of how much it will slow the crow down. Uh, it in no way, shape, or form properly applied uh, will harm the bird in any way, shape, or form. Uh, he will watch this bird go around crow, uh, albeit a lot uh, nicer crow than he normally would have, uh, eat, drink, mate, uh, walk around, and do everything that a chicken would normally do, except when he goes to crow, it's not quite the same. That's all. And there's, see, you, you by putting the, uh, if you take a rooster collar and you put it on a bird too tight, sure. You know, you're going to impair breathing because the, uh, the trachea runs down the neck. You're going to impair eating because that runs down the neck. But that's not where you – the tightness of it is not necessarily where you want to be. What you want to do is you want to keep him from getting that big, giant push of air. It has nothing to do with him breathing. It just has it's, – it's like having a, a, uh, a trumpet. If you blow a little bit of air through it, it doesn't really make a whole lot of beans, does it? Mm-hmm. But if you if you get behind it and you really put a you know like Louis Satchmo Armstrong with those big uh, cheeks blown up big and you really force that air through it, uh, it makes a big difference. And that's all you're allowing them to do is put that little bit of air through that shrinx, which is located at the lower end of the trachea. And I've given him clear pictures of it uh, so that he could take it to the, uh, the the city there. I don't know how it all turned out, but he has that website and it does have the video there of the bird. Uh, with it, so I would suggest somebody who you know is having issues or just uh, has a, a rooster who is a, a, a constant crower, uh, you know, to go ahead and, and and put it on him and and give it a shot. It properly done, it is not going to harm the bird in any way, shape, or form. And you'll be able to go to that website and see the pictures that I gave him uh, that show you where it is. Um, has a, a set of forceps showing you. Uh, uh, you know how far under the breast and everything it is. You'll, you'll see it's it's pretty informative mm-hmm. uh, when you come right down to it. Look, it's like anything else. If you know what you're talking about and you know what the truth is, it's real easy to explain it. Mm-hmm. 
okay? But when you're blowing smoke, like a lot of these people do, uh, humane societies, uh, people that don't know anything, uh, uh, don't care to know anything, uh, and that kind of thing, you know, what's the alternative? That's the issue. That's the issue at hand. What is the alternative? You see, people don't want to always equate apples to apples. You always want to compare apples to oranges, apples to pears, mm-hmm. and everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw I saw a posting last night from somebody I know who I thought had more of a brain uh, than they actually had uh, in the post that they put on there, but they were trying to equate the death penalty with uh, abortion. How foolish. Not the same. How can you be, you know... Uh, uh, in other words, the the idea was how how can you be for the death penalty uh, and 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 uh, you know be uh, but be against uh, uh, you know uh, abortion. So my point being is that, that the two are not the same. I don't care where you stand on them; it's none of my business. But the point is, you can't compare somebody who has done a extreme, you know, dastardly deed with something that is yet really to be born. It just doesn't equate. I mean, you talk about you know apples and oranges. That's you know mm-hmm. that's apples and Mack trucks, and uh, you know just that stupidity of of trying to compare the two. It just doesn't make sense. And the same. Yeah, I just went to that. I just went to that website, and um, it's uh, very interesting. You can see the video there. Uh, no problems, and his whole story there, and why he's trying to get them uh, uh, or lift the ban on the uh, on the roosters. I can tell you that the city of Mobile. Uh, in Alabama has an absolutely top-notch group there. Uh, they do fabulous work there, and they, for lack of a better term, lobbied and worked very hard uh, and actually got the law changed to allow uh, roosters. I think you can have one, uh, maybe two, but I think it's one one rooster within the city of Mobile where they used to be banned. It can be done. They did that. You can still have, but now you can. It's one city that I know and I've heard over they did change the law to actually allow roosters. So uh, it, it definitely can be done. Peter, I'm going to take a, a break here, okay. and uh, we're going to go to a break. We'll come back. We're talking with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. We're taking your questions. We have a few more when we come back uh, after this uh, short break, so keep those pen and papers ready. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at one 888 824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. 
ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business, providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for the beginner or advanced poultry keeper. Stromberg's should be on the top of your list when it comes time to order. Shop online at www.strombergschickens.com or call today at 1-800-720-1134. Remember, that's strombergschickens.com. Love Nest brings the natural goodness of herbs to you in your backyard with handcrafted organic blends for your backyard friends. Packaged in a resealable bag, 100% USDA certified organic, Love Nest blends come ready to sprinkle directly into the nesting R coop bedding and are completely natural and edible. There's Love Nest Chick Mix Blend, a gentle herb blend perfect for young chicks. Love Nest Layer Blend, designed to help support laying and soothe ruffled feathers. And Love Nest Critter Ritter Blend is naturally effective against those unwelcome guests such as lice, moths, and other pests. Ask for Love Nest at your favorite local feed store or visit them online at www.loveluv-nest.com. And try Love Nest Organic Blends for your backyard friends today. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen Savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your hen saver aprons today at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, 
Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at idealpoultry.com. That's idealpoultry.com. From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of The Chicken Whisperer. All right. Thank you very much for staying with me on Backyard Poultry with The Chicken Whisperer today. Uh, we do have Peter Brown, also known as The Chicken Doctor, talking. Uh, well, we're taking uh, phone calls and we're getting uh, answering questions from our viewers. I apologize for the a little bit extended commercial break there. As you know, we... Uh, I uh, do this radio show live, and uh, my wife is kind of recovering from an allergic reaction to some uh, antibiotics. She was in the ER last night, and uh, she needs some assistance for a couple of minutes, so uh, a little bit extended. Not normal to go uh, six minutes on a, a commercial break here on the show, but I uh, needed to do that so I could assist her with something, so I apologize uh, for that. So uh, we've got Peter Brown, and let me get back over here to the Facebook page, and we'll cover a couple of more, and then we will uh, wrap up today's Ask the Chicken Doctor with Peter Brown. Peter will be joining us again tomorrow, uh, 12 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. We're going to be talking all about egg-binding, egg-bound hens. That will be on uh, tomorrow's show. Uh, Here's a good one, kind of right up your alley, uh, uh, Peter. And um, let me see if I can find it. Where did it go? Here we go. Uh, My rooster and a few hens seem to be very raspy. I've given medication, don't know what kind, but they never seem to get over it. Uh, they've been like this for several months. This comes to us from Greg. Thanks very much for posting, Greg. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, again, I have a roux and a few hens that seem to be very raspy. I've given medication, though, Peter, he didn't list what kinds or how much or what dose or how long, um, but they just never seem to get over it. Well, um, my guess is, um, and I can only guess because we don't know what he used, we don't know how much mm-hmm. he used, uh, you know, we don't know what the duration of it was. Um, <clears throat> if it's if it's there, obviously, and it's been there for a long time, it's not life-threatening. Number one, uh, although it, you know, the, these kinds of things can interfere with egg production. Uh, birds start to feel, you know, poorly. They just uh, look at it as a, a threat to their survival, and they'll stop laying eggs. But um, more than likely, using a medication underdosing, um, which is Usually the problem that I see a lot when people go to uh, a uh, feed store and, and buy um, the uh, tetracycline or something like that that's in a 6.4-ounce bag. Almost any time you see it in a 6.4-ounce bag, it's a big bag of nothing. And uh, the reason for that is that it, uh, it weighs a lot in your hand, but there's not a lot of active ingredient in it. For instance, uh, most of those that are 6.4 ounces, which is equal to 181.4 grams, uh, there's only 10 grams of active ingredients, so you get 171.4 grams of nothing. And uh, so when you take a teaspoon of that and you put it in a gallon of water, uh, you really don't have very much. So I would uh, encourage him to, you know, send me an email, uh, chickendr at firststatevetsupply.com, and um, 
you know, tell me what he used, uh, how much and how long, and then maybe we can, you know, make some suggestions to him as to, you know, what he should use or uh, maybe, you know, take a look, see at some of the bird's mouths down the throat and see if this isn't something else going on. But more than likely, if it's going on that long, it isn't life-threatening, but uh, it would be nice to, you know, to, to clean it up. Uh, we can't much, do much more with that one unless we, you know, we're able to uh, have more information. Okay, we'll wrap it up with, uh, let's see, this uh, this next one. This, this, this is a comic way. I'm, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone, no pun intended. Joan uh, asked this question. I'll read the next one because they, they both, mm, a roundabout way. What causes the chicken feathers to come off? Uh, most of those with no feathers have sluggish growth uh, and suffer from cold during the wet seasons. And then two, also kind of feather-related, uh, Lenny says, Help, four of our roosters attacked all of our hens and took turns at them until the hens' backs were just shredded. The roos left open sores on their heads as well. Their backs have healed, except where there are large open areas under each of their wings uh, on their backs where you can see the meat. Uh, they seem to be okay, just terribly damaged now. Is there anything I can do to help them? Um, uh, I did use the purple antibiotic absolutely everywhere on them, but there's two spots on their backs kind of under their wings that have never actually closed or are filled in with feathers. So we got two feather issues. One, um, uh, loss of feathers um, and slow to grow them back. And then two, an injury uh, from roosters that dealt with the uh, feathers being uh, plucked and removed due to the, um, the feet of the uh, and whatnot. So uh, let's talk a little bit about feather, feather replacement, both from trauma and uh, and maybe the molt. So, you know, fe feather, feather growth, uh, again, hormonally controlled, um, you know, with light through the, uh, through the, uh, the pituitary gland and, and what have you. Um, you know, they get pulled out, they regrow, um, generally. Um, again, if there is uh, severe damage to the uh, to the feather follicle itself, they grow in crooked or don't grow back in at all. Um, it's at, at a time when when uh, this loss of of, uh, of feathers uh, allows the birds um, to be exposed to uh, funguses and and that kind of thing. So, fungal infections. Uh, uh, are common in these areas. We see birds with a lot of red on them sometimes, um, and I, I can't say every one of them has a fungal infection, but uh, it's interesting that this does come up this time around because uh, I think last week or so we we talked about somebody had uh, uh, some birds so that they, they lost some feathers and were turning red and stuff, and uh, the very next day um, the client contacted me that I had been in contact with for quite a, quite a, a period of time, and um, uh, had some birds that um, had this red body with some uh, some feather loss. And uh, uh, by looking at at the pictures, um, lots of times here I'm able to to uh, uh, I work with two screens. In actuality, at the moment I'm working with two separate computers, and mm -hmm. I can switch them back and forth uh, with a button to uh, so I have one. One computer is limited to one screen, and the other one, it will, I can bounce back and forth between the two screens. So I can bring up a picture, and I can look at it, and I can put it side by side, and then I can compare it with something I may have mm -hmm. in, on file 
to help us try to you know figure out what's wrong and um, I was able to do that and uh, lo and behold uh, this was a severe fungal infection uh, and several birds had the problem um, and uh, they were just as bald as bald could be and so under those conditions you know what happens is that the, if there is a fungal infection uh, the bird will continually take those uh, pin feathers uh, some people call them blood feathers and they'll, they'll just continually pull them out because it's itchy um, and, and they, they'll start uh, trying to scratch their skin with their feet and they'll, they'll make the situation better. I'm not saying that's what the position is here but loss of feather leads to this and I was actually quite surprised because uh, this was a, a client in New Mexico where it's you know generally not as uh, uh, moist but much warmer uh, and have no idea how the infection got started, where it came from, um, and that kind of thing. But uh, we were able to gain the upper hand with it uh, uh, by using a, a special shampoo uh, that has a antifungal in it with an antibacterial in it. And uh, uh, through the use of that, in, in, in about two days' time, we were able to get it under control and stop the spread of it. And uh, the birds are now, you know, making a recovery. So. Um, Here's one of the things I don't understand, and I'll just throw this out there to people. Um, most of the time, this rooster treading thing doesn't happen overnight. Uh, it's a it's a constant uh, thing, an everyday thing, or uh, it's a ganging up on type thing. And people need to be more aware of this, especially if you have a lot of roosters um, or new roosters in a, in a group. And um, it really is a management issue at the, at the beginning uh, because it shouldn't be happening like that. Um, and, uh, you know, get that five-gallon bucket out, folks, and sit in the yard and, and, and watch them. I know it's hot out there in some places. It's, it's been hot and humid here. Uh, but it'll go a long way to, to giving you an, a, a leg up on, on what's going on. And, um, you know, uh, trying to pr protect their skin, if you have to get a... a, a like what you call those hen apron things, and put that on it uh, yeah. to to, mm -hmm. to make a difference. Um, you know, you just avoid a lot of things. Um, um, I can't speak to exactly why after the trauma's over and the back has healed that it that they're not coming back in, uh, but it is hormone related. The bird still may feel traumatized, uh, even though it's healed. Uh, there still may be some harassment uh, from from the roosters. Um, you know, some of the hens will get real shy and that kind of stuff. And when, when they're under pressure, when they're under too much pressure, whether it be from breeding or, or storms or, or whatever, and they produce that corticosteroid, a whole lot of stuff isn't going to happen. And um, so, you know, they need to be you know, cognizant and aware of that uh, uh, and, you know, just keep these things from happening because this is not the first time, probably not going to, certainly going to be the last time we've dealt with this. Uh, where you know, roosters have just torn the backs up on these hens, and they will tear up their head too because they use their, their their beak to hold on to their comb and the, the feathers at the back of the head and that kind of thing. Um, it's uh, it's not a, necessarily a, a pretty sight. Um, what they may want to try is an anti-fungal cream that they can buy in the in the uh, uh, pharmacy or one of the big box stores and and. Uh, you know, liberally spread that out over on the areas where there is no feather growth and see if you can get it to come back. Uh, I would mm -hmm. offer the shampoo, but I am out of it now due to this other client, uh, which is a good thing on one hand, but by the same token, it's on nationwide back order, so I'm not able to get any more at the present time. 
Um, but it is a okay. ketoconazole chlorhexidine shampoo um, used in dogs and cats all the time, so it's a very safe product. Uh, actually, it used to be available for humans, and I haven't seen it in the uh, drugstores either, so there's an issue with it somewhere along the line. Uh, but that kind of, of stuff uh, may be helpful uh, in this particular situation. I know in this one in, in New Mexico it was. It just, I mean, it stopped it right in its tracks. So uh, hopefully this okay. information is be helpful. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. Well, that's great information today. Got a lot of questions answered from our, our fans and uh, and listeners today. Don't forget, Peter will be joining us again tomorrow, 12 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, uh, and we'll be talking about egg-binding, egg-bound hens, what we can do for those, signs and symptoms and treatments, uh, if there are any. So, Peter, thank you very much for your support today, and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow right here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer at noon. Yep, we'll see you tomorrow at noon. Great. Thank you for all the great, valuable information. Hey, folks, go visit Peter's website, uh, firststatevetsupply.com. That's www.firststatevetsupply.com. I'm going to touch a little bit on, uh, when we come back, i touch a little bit on those uh, hen saver, hen aprons, uh, and hen saddles that he had mentioned and about how a lot of people use them. A lot of people have had success with those right after this. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. All righty, I wanted to share a little bit about uh, these uh, hen saver hen aprons. I want to let people know you, you may have seen different ads for, for different products, but I, but I can tell you uh, after a, a decade I've used them firsthand. Uh, other companies have sent me their samples to try. Some of them were just abysmal, but I got to tell you that um, there's a lot of technology and science that goes into making a good hen saver uh, or hen apron or hen saddle. Uh, for example, you don't want it to be waterproof, uh, definitely not. You don't want it to be too slippery, slickery, where the, the rooster, once mounted, was going to slide off. That can, uh, that can cause horrendous damage from the spurs uh, to the hen. We've got pictures of that showing big gashes and, and gaping wounds from a, a, a hen um, apron or hen saddle being uh, too uh, slippery so the, the rooster can't mount and hang on and stay on. Uh, so there's a lot of science and, and, and information that goes in, into this. You can't really just go to Walmart or, or, or Hancock Fabrics and, and buy some material and say, oh, look, this has a neat chicken pattern on it. I think I'll uh, sew this together, put some cotton in the middle, and, 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 and put it on my hens. It's not going to last through the weather. It's not going to last through the spurs of the, uh, and, and the sharp um, nails of, of the rooster. You'll be wasting, in most cases, your time. 
um, it's 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 very it was surprised me even <laughs> the technology involved in, in 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 developing these to do what they're supposed to do the right way. Um, of course, the only brand that we've always and ever have endorsed is the Hen Saver Hen Aprons by Crazy K Farm. You can go to hensaver.com or crazykfarm.com and take a look at those. Very inexpensive, starting at about $6.75 and going up to about $12. They have different things that you can put, different patterns, different colors. But one thing you won't have to worry about uh, if you buy from there is the quality of the product. They are patented, so if you see another design like it, they're probably a copy uh, or, or, or stealing their pattern uh, or their design. They've got a patent on. Uh, years and years and years and science to back it up, designed by a PhD. Absolutely uh, amazing stuff. And at $6.75, you can't go wrong. Many people have a great success with these. Um, not every hen is going to adapt to this. Some people don't have success with these. Uh, but by far, we feel the majority from what we've seen, what we've heard, the years that they've been in production, if you do it correctly, stall them correctly, you will have great success with these. And six dollars and seventy-five cents, you don't have much to lose, but but you have a lot to gain uh, by protecting your hens. Hensaver.com um, or CrazyKFarm.com, the only ones we endorse. And look at our sponsors list. Look at our sponsors page. It's not four pages long. It doesn't go down both sides uh, of our of our um, website from beginning to end, scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Why? We don't endorse every product that's out there. We don't endorse every single person that calls us up. Um, and, and we mentioned that earlier in, in the show. We're not going to do it. Okay? Because when you see a product on our website, we want you to understand that it's going to do what it says it's going to do. It is top of the line. It is top quality. It is not just, yes, yeah, send me money, I'll put it on my website. We don't do that. Um, Chicken Whisper Approved Program is the elite, okay? Um, we don't just hand that out for free to everybody like some of the other folks do. Uh, look around if you'll see something. There's a couple of others that, that are doing that, and, and they just, oh, here, use this, use this, use this. We want publicity. No, this is something with us that look at the list of our Chicken Whisper Approved products. The people have to pay for that status. They have to have their products in my hands. They have to be trialed. Um, and, and, it, and we have even turned down, uh, for example, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, Snaplock Chicken Coops, when they approached me a few years back, wanting their, their smaller coop to be Chicken Whisper approved, they were denied. But after I had built the coop and had chickens in the coop and used the coop, they were denied Chicken Whisper approved until they implemented design changes, which they did. And so now they're, okay, ask anybody else that has this little seal in the chicken world if they've ever done that. They're just giving it away. If you want to post this on your pet website, post it on your website. Um, so very passionate about that. That's why we don't have a whole uh, long list of thousands and hundreds of sponsors because there are products out there we don't like, you don't need, they're not going to work, and I'm not promoting them. Okay? So uh, I think that there's value in that of having something that says Chicken Whisper Approved, value in that, hey, if you see something on our, our site that we, that we that is a sponsor of the show, uh, that we truly believe in that. And a lot of people can't say that. A lot of people can't say that. Just use an example of Chicken Whisper Approved program versus the other approved programs that they're just handing them out for free. Here you go. Just post this on your website. Um, you're a sponsor. That makes you eligible. Give me a break. Hey, thanks you very much for tuning in. Don't forget, tomorrow we got Peter Brown, the chicken doctor, coming back, egg bind, uh, binding egg-bound hens tomorrow. And then this Thursday, 
poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McRae, PhD, talking about rodent control in the coop. We'll see you all this week. Thanks for tuning in. God bless everybody. Uh.